Hello! You may notice that my audio this week is a little bit woolly. Basically, after over 200 episodes, no problems, I forgot to plug the microphone in and inadvertently handed in a laptop mic recording that makes me sound like I'm dialing in via a crappy Skype connection. Jonathan has worked miracles as always to equalise and balance what was available and with this post-production I'd say my contributions are at least perfectly listenable. Next week though, oh boy, I am going to sound crisp. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the O3C podcast, coming to you from O3C Games. I am Jonathan M. Dunn. The M stands for, might not be that name. And I'm joined by (laughs) Chris Dow. Boozy Gravy. And we are chatting about video games and gravy. Announcement! Announcement! You know how this goes by now, but please don't skip. Uh, Have a listen anyway. Then pause in a moment of reverence to consider supporting the podcast in a new and improved way. You can pledge money to us via Patreon, patreon.com slash O3C Games, or a one-off donation via our support page, O3C.Games slash support. Either avenue will get you admitted to the exclusive O3C discord server and give you access to tons of additional content like full bonus episodes exclusive deleted scenes and outtakes and full video versions of these episodes uncut ad free or if you are cash whippity snippity poor please do share the podcast on social media follow us on social media at o3c games retweet us leave us a podcast review tell a friend tell a foe tell your (laughs) mum So we're back. Uh, we're back from holiday. We're back from our post-holiday catch-up, and we are back with a play date update. Um, it's a play date. Not yet. That's later. <laughs> That's later. I know. It's, it's all anyone's tuning in for. It is. Those I love it. Absolute sick tunes. We're going to be talking about Saturday Edition and Star Sled. I'm really looking forward to talking about both of those games. But before we do that... What are you buying? What are you playing? So I've had a bit of a busy work week uh, owing to coming back from holiday. That's always the um, downside of being self-employed. No one does your work for you if you don't do it. (laughs) So so I had a bit of a pile to make my way through. But I have continued playing Farmside, the Apple Arcade freemium-esque farming game. I am almost at the level cap now, but I've basically done all of the available missions for now. So I'm just... Checking in a couple of times a day to do the daily challenges to get the last few drops of XP to unlock the last couple of things. And it continues to be really, really nice. I've had a little look for some other similar games on Apple Arcade. And well, there's a game that I realized I hadn't ever given a proper go to, which is Cozy Grove. I've heard really quite positive things about that one. Yeah, me too. And I know that's like available on other platforms now. I think there's actually a physical edition for the Switch coming up very soon. So I'm sure you'll probably have it (laughs) i think you might be right so yeah i think i might give that a sustained look when i've wrapped up farmside for now the only other thing i've played well i say the only other thing uh, another thing i've played a little bit of is pokemon violet oh you're back on the old pokies i'm back on that because it had a couple of updates in light of the recent pokemon presents announcements there were several things announced in that including additional support and features and seasons and shit coming for Pokemon Unite, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Cafe, the announcement of Pokemon Sleep, 
to capitalize on the unconscious Pokemon fans. <laughs> the, the ludicrously named new peripheral, the Pokemon Go Plus Plus Plus. Yeah. But also there was DLC confirmed for Scarlet and Violet, of which course. we all assumed was coming. And it's being rolled out in exactly the same way as it was for Sword and Shield, with two main DLCs coming spaced over the next year, with new areas to explore, new Pokemon, lots of returning old Pokemon, and new implausibly epic stakes on the line to be handled by a child. (laughs) That's the Pokemon way. (laughs) That's the one. I'm hoping that because the new areas are going to be sort of self-contained, and obviously a lot smaller than the entire of the scarlet and violet world it might mean that they've got the chance to get the performance issues ironed out a bit Uh, for them maybe (laughs) uh i mean that apparently they are well they are continuing to patch and improve it although diving back in to the game after a few of these updates i must admit I, i can't see an improved gaming experience no i watched a youtube video the other day where someone was basically testing patch by patch yeah in a kind of back-end sort of way like basically extracting the files looking at where the differences are what's been changed what's been updated and the answer is fuck all so every every time they say there's been a stability update it's just not it's not actually happened (laughs) it's just lies well done pokemon company well done game freak (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah we've really um I don't know. I I feel like they've dropped the ball more than normal with this one. And they're getting away with it. Yeah, because it's still selling selling like (laughs) gangbusters. Yeah, exactly. But the reason I've dived back in is because if you pre-order the DLC, you get a few unlocks immediately for your Scarlet and Violet game, like some new outfits, hat... (laughs) Um, you you you, You get a cool regional variant of Zoroark, but most crucially you do get access to two brand new paradox pokemon which are the pokemon in the game that come from the distant past or the the distant future so there's a futuristic version of the legendary pokemon virizion called iron leaves and an ancient version of the legendary pokemon suicune called walking wake which is insanely cool and you can battle these in the respective games in terror raids and you can catch one of them per game and the the good thing with uh, the online terror raid system is you can find terror raids to play on the other game than what you might have so it's fairly easy to find a way to get both of these without you know having both copies of the game yeah but you can also host terror raids to play with your friends who may have the other version you know to get them both as well but that's quite cool and uh, it's a nice little taster of what's to come in the future of the games we shall see we shall indeed see and well, the other thing I've been doing is I've played a couple of things on the Nintendo Switch Online emulation services. Oh, what, from the new batch? Yes. See if you can guess. I've been playing one GBA game. See if you can guess which of the six available ones I've been playing. Wow, I'm trying to think what came out for it. Is one of the Metroids on there now? No, Metroid Fusion is going to be coming soon, and you can bet your ass I'll be playing that as soon yeah. as I possibly can. Okay, a Minish Cap, that's on there, isn't it? Minish Cap is on there, yeah. No, I did start playing it, but I wanted something that I could just sort of get into a bit more immediately. Uh, again, I'm racking my brains because I, I haven't loaded up. I don't have the expansion pass unless you have GBA as well. So you're going to have to tell me. The other games that are on there are WarioWare, Mario Kart Super Circuit, yep. Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3, yeah. If you wanted to play that instead of playing that same version on the Snares emulation services on Super Mario All-Stars. But the actual game I have been playing is, of course, Kuru 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 Rin. Oh, shit. I forgot that was in the trailer <laughs> in, in the first place. Yeah. 
And that's a game I never actually owned, but I always just loved the idea of it. And it's absolutely fine. It's really decent. It is. It's a I decent think, I game. Think it's really decent. Did you ever play that game Roundabout? The one where you're playing like it's exactly the same concept did, as yeah. Kuru 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 Rim, but it's this ever rotating limousine. It's really good. I played that quite a lot. It was one of the only games I played on the Xbox One when I had that console. I don't <laughs> know why I bought it there. Great but use of the system. I broke the game and it deleted my save by just I was just playing normally I didn't do anything in particular but when it broke I messaged the developers and said have I lost all my progress then and they apologized and they sent me a t-shirt oh that's nice so for a while I had a, a nice roundabout baseball style tee and then I outgrew it because I'm a big fat man and then it went to charity so I don't have it anymore <laughs> I've also been playing a SNES game any guesses Metroid I did have a bit of a bash at the special edition of Super Metroid. Yeah. You know, there's these like special editions of the games with like yeah. different rules and stuff. And that allows you to start the game with 100% of your upgrades, which is really fun. But no, I've actually been playing Donkey Kong Country, which uh, continues to be utterly phenomenal. And yeah. uh, I, I quite fancy just playing through all three of those because I don't think I've ever actually played two and three. I've played... Donkey Kong Land 2 and 3, which are the original Game Boy sort of scaled yes. down versions of those. I borrowed them off you, I, I remember, on those banana yeah. yellow carts. They're good. They're really good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to playing through those. They're just nice and easy, especially with the <laughs> rewind function. It just yeah, takes the edge off a little bit. Bloody cheater. I'm not, I'm not made of time. <laughs> it must make something like, what's the minecart stage called? The one everyone hated. Oh, yeah, ago. that one. Minecart, Mayhem, I don't know. It's got minecart a name Mania. Like Main but minecart. It would probably make someone like that pretty trivial <laughs> if you can rewind every jump. Basically. But I yeah. can't talk because I was saying recently, wasn't I, about Forza Horizon, how much I appreciated not having yeah. to drive into the wall, just doing it again until I got it right. Exactly. Exactly. But that's been it, really. I haven't found time to make a decent start on Octopath Traveler 2 yet because I really want to find time to properly settle in for like the big screen experience, you know, rather than playing playing it handheld with the volume down. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I'll be fine to do a little bit of that now and again once I've made a proper start, but I really want to hear the epic music and voice acting, you know, to start at least that adventure. But maybe I'll find more time next week to do that. What have you played this week, Chris? I've played more theatre rhythm, naturally. Naturellement. Now, depending on the day and the mood and most importantly, the audience, I'll either play through a few sequential stages in a session or I might be trying to grind all critical perfect clears on some of the easier tracks because I find that really enjoyable. But audience there is the big thing because I'm hyper-conscious when I play games like this as to how whatever's on screen, whatever noises I'm making might affect Georgia sat in the same room on a phone, on a laptop, busying herself with whatever stuff. Like, does she want to hear me continually restart the same song again and again and again every time I'm graded great rather than perfect on a single note? Don't think so. No. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. And no. so if I am playing on the TV, I usually use it as an excuse to explore a bit more of the library or sometimes I'll even move to just play with headphones on the handheld to break things up for both me and her. It's still really good, though. My in-game profile now says I've played it for 22 hours. So I'm mm. trucking along pretty nicely. Uh, and I'm having a very good time. Percentage-wise, how far through the game do you think you are, completion-wise? Oh, God, probably nowhere. Like, I've played through in the series mode, which is kind of the individual game kind of mission-style section. I've done maybe six or seven of the game's titles, and I think there's 30. Jesus. Aside from that, I have now got perfect grades on 30 or 40 songs on the easiest difficulty. So that's taken quite a lot of just back-and-forth grinding on those as well. 
but what's that like five percent maybe how long to beat reckon 61 hours to complete it and i think that's bullshit i suppose it depends what you're calling a completion as well if you're just aiming to beat all of the series mode i'd say that might take you close to that if you're attempting to do anything else like i mentioned the other week in terms of maximizing scores or unlocking all these bits and bobs i think it'll be quite a lot longer well, keep us posted. <laughs> I, I will. I, I'll be playing it for a while, so yeah. I definitely will. There's two other games I've given a small bit of time to this week as well. Tell me what. One is a reasonably Chris game called Road Redemption. And one is a reasonably un-Chris game, which is the Square Enix farming action RPG called Harvestella. Ooh, oh, ooh. Oh, yeah. oh. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, Road Redemption. Oh, uh, no, not nice. that. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically a motorbike racing game which very clearly wishes to be a homage or a throwback to Road Rash. The big difference here from the Mega Drive originals is that instead of racing across stages in a traditional series, now each race is part of like a roguelite run. So in a stage, maybe you're trying to win a race, maybe you're trying to kill a certain number of rivals, maybe you're just trying to survive the course against like an onslaught of aggressive riders and stage events like car crashes or storms that chuck debris in your way. And then if you succeed, you get some cash to strengthen your character for that run. And then at the end of your run, you'll have a crude XP that lets you buy some permanent upgrades to make it easier next time around. So it's pretty simple, roguelite fare. It's a few years old now. I started playing on the Switch because I found a reasonably rare physical copy in a branch of CEX and I had some spare credit. But the performance is pretty ropey on the Switch. <laughs> and so I migrated to play on the Steam Deck as lo and behold, I already own the game from sales past. <laughs> what a surprise. What a shocker. If Theatre Rhythm is a game Georgia may not always want on the TV, she actually seems to quite enjoy watching the ultraviolence of Road Redemption. She lets out like a little chuckle every time someone's head is just knocked off. And that's quite sweet in a disturbing way. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's having a good time. It is a simple game though. There's not a huge amount to say about it, to be honest. I like the core concept. It's even a bit ropey on the PC or chunkier consoles, but it definitely has a raffish charm because it's going for a sort of Fury Road style audiovisual dressing. So it's got kind of Australian voice actors or certainly like actors pretending to be Australian. And it's got kind of that post-apocalyptic kind of look and, and deserty landscapes or whatever. Controls do take a bit of work to get used to because you're accelerating and braking with the triggers, you're steering and aiming with the analogs, you're managing weaponry with your D-pad, you're using all four of the face buttons to further direct attacks. But it's also really addictive once you've got the basics down. I think it will probably remain on rotation for a week or two at least, or it might just be until it scrolls off the recently played list on the deck and I forget it exists for a bit. But, you know, having an all right time with that. Harvestella, on the other hand, totally different. It is a bucolic, plant the seeds and dig them up, um up Ooh, yeah. on certain in-game days and a dungeon crawling beat em up em up on others <laughs> you know fantastic i saw a couple of people i follow on twitter really raving about it around release late last year mm. so i had wanted to give it a go and it recently dropped in price by about 50 percent on amazon mm. so i thought oh you know I'll see what it's like and is it only on switch i think so it's another game that would benefit being on probably slightly more powerful hardware but it it's nice enough on the switch i'm not hooked yet but I think that likely has more to do with having such limited time to actually sit down and get into it, like you were just saying with Octopath. Yeah. As I'm still largely at the point where there's a lot of unvoiced cutscenes explaining character motivations, and then there's hundreds of pop-up tutorials around how to water your crops and how you align weapon skills with character classes and all that sort of bobbins that just 
takes time to get through until you're given a bit more autonomy. I'm looking forward to the bit where I can just say, isn't growing carrots fun? (laughs) Because, you know, when I was playing Farm Together on the Switch, that was literally just a farming game, but I had a lot of fun. It's on Steam. Oh, okay. Okay. I might buy that then. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Or, you know, I might get to a point where I say, isn't this variety enticing? Like it was when I played Forager endlessly for weeks on end. Yeah. You know, because it's got a bit of that, that you are growing stuff, you're, you're cultivating stuff, whilst also heading out into like sort of dungeon areas and things like that. Mm. Hopefully I'll get a little window of time soon to see whether it's something for me, like yonder. But at the moment, I guess the jury is is still out. But still, an interesting game, I think. It seems to be Rune Factory, if it were a bit more streamlined in some ways, yeah. and a bit more interesting in others. <laughs> At least judging by what Minty said about that game when he was playing it. It's a play date. 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 So, it is another week of Playdate updates. What were the last two games we played? They were middling, weren't they? Middling. Middling. Uh, what was, was it? it? Oh, no, it wasn't. They were really bad. It was, was it Questy Chess oh. and Executive Golf? <gasps> yeah, so we, we yeah, had... a bad week. We had middling Questy Chef. Middling Questy Whittling Chef. Mesty Jeff. Jeez, that's hard to say. We had... We had... We had... Twiddling Master Chef. Whiddling, twiddling Master Chef and... Just Middling Questy Chess. Just rubbish Awful, golf. awful, executive, <laughs> executive <laughs> shit. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave Makes. It was a bad game. Yeah, really shit out of pooper. <laughs> sorry, Dave. Hopefully this week is going to be a little bit better. We have two games to talk about. We have Saturday Edition, a narrative puzzle game that Chris is going to talk about. But before he does that, I'm going to tell you about Star Sled, Go which on, is the first in-house developed game for the Playdate by Playdate's very own Panic. Yay! So expectations, quite high. And I'm not sure whether or not it was a strategic move to release their game like in the middle of the season, just in case they needed to tweak and adjust it in response to, you know, gamer feedback on some of the earlier games, maybe. But it really is very polished and crucially, incredibly fun i thought yes at its heart it's not a million miles away from hypermeteor that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago yeah uh, which was again not a million miles away from being a fairly straightforward asteroids clone that was uh it was was sharp enough to to make for a fun experience and it's it's possible that the starting point was the same for panic as it was for, for those developers which was make an asteroid game for the play date and then see where that leads and in the case of star sled it leads to a lot more things than hyper meteor which basically settled on just one main additional mechanic by having the asteroids be split into dark and light sides and if you hit the light side it splits if you hit the dark side you die and it's basically just a high score chaser star sled though is a fair bit different and it sees you pilot a small spacecraft in a volume and you need to collect sparks that are floating in space you collect them by drawing a loop around them, like a knight's into dreams, yes, which yes. I, I realise is a very, very mainstream touchstone for comparison. <laughs> I wrote the exact same thing in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, as the levels progress, you encounter more and more mechanics and more sophisticated obstacles from like enemy ships hunting you down to electric fences you need to avoid. But you also get more powerful movement mechanics like being able to boost to draw quicker loops or escape danger. And you control your ship's rotation with the crank, which feels incredibly responsive. Then you have some abilities mapped to the face buttons and it's just really, really good fun. They know what features to add to make things more fun and challenging rather than just making it harder. Yeah. You know, it's fun to make loops that never gets old when, you know, you time your boosting to weave a tight loop and get out of a tough spot. It feels amazing. And it's also, it's not just a, an arcade score chaser. You know, it's not just one ramping up level. It, yeah. it's, it's split into separate worlds and separate levels. So there is a real tangible sense of progression as you make your way through it. And the stages are short enough for you to try several times without too much stress when you cock up. And it's, you know, it's immediate to reload the stage and try again and try again. And it's just very quick, very satisfying. You feel like you fucked up. You don't feel like the game's fucked you over. Yeah. It's very, very tightly designed. The sound design is really great. Uh, (laughs) There's loads of texture to the sound effects and music's crunchy. It's crunchy, crunchy and punchy. My my two favourite sidekicks from the (laughs) seventies. Not a real thing, but (laughs) probably were. Could could have been. (laughs) Could have been. Could have been. They're cancelled now. (laughs) (laughs) Operation U Tree. Oh yeah, Uh, and it's (laughs) (laughs) one for the Brits. And uh, the whole thing is topped with just really clinical aesthetic design that just makes it a really, I mean, polished is the word. It is a really polished package. It's exactly what it should be from Panic showcasing their own system. It's, yeah, basically shows everything that the system can do in a very, very quick, snappy, immediate way. And it's great fun. I think it's a real banger. How did you get on with it? It's really good. It's a really cool video game. Simple as that, really. It's been a difficult week for me professionally. I've had a lot to do you know, just as these things go, sometimes a lot of pressure. But this has also exemplified again why the play date is such a unique proposition because my mornings have become, as of late, a rush to get up, shower, dress, eat breakfast, and then immediately start answering emails, checking lesson planning, organising my day and my calendar, all before I leave the house at seven-ish. And feeling really extra stressed this last week, what I've done each morning is just allow myself five minutes or so of star sled before I sling my bag on my back And it's been able to lift me up just enough to get in the car and get going. It's like an immediate dopamine hit, courtesy of the play date, like a nice boiled sweet. And the Steam Deck wouldn't do that because, you know, it's instant on, but games just take that a little bit longer because of how they're designed and they're meant to be bigger experiences. Whereas this is, play a level, you're done in literally 30 seconds if you need to be. And that's really, really satisfying. You've already mentioned, and I, I love it when we have these overlapping touchstones. It feels like playing Nights in Streams. Yeah. In, in the same way we played Questy Chess and went, Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> like, th- these are not everyday references, but I think they are right in both cases. Same creator. Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, so I didn't even make that connection. This yeah. is the, the Yuji Naka Wonderland, isn't it? He's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Famous for insider trading. He's just played guilty to that recently. Yeah. The constant motion of this game, the looping patterns that you're using to take out enemies or collect sparks, it's lovely. And it's a classic indie game in that it's built around a simple nugget of an idea, essentially just saying you've used the crank for rotation. But then that nugget is pushed and pulled to a very natural conclusion. Like how far can we take it before it's not going to work? 
you know, there's no fat in this game. Mm, yeah. When you've wrapped up all of the game stages, you can just say, yep, happy with that, I'm done. Or it can be a score chaser, if you fancy. You know, can you grab the sparks a bit quicker? Can you set those turns any sharper? Like, you don't need to pursue any of that. But if you want to carry on going, you can perfect each group of stages. You can really spend the time doing it. And again, that made me think of Knights, because as a kid, mm. I played Knights for the spectacle. I just liked whizzing around, listening to chirpy music, perching by some of the crudely rendered Nightopian sprites sat on the floor of each stage. Yeah, the little whistlers. <laughs> but returning as an adult, if I play Knights now, I realise it's a game of speed, of kind of one more loop, of bigger chains. It's great. It's on both of our lists. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a cool game. And Starstead, I think, has that same balance. You can chill out and beat the stage, almost as if it's like a puzzle to be cracked, but then you can come back and master it, if you fancy, and it feels really good to do so. I've shifted in opinion a few times this season as to what should have kicked off week one of the Playdate's mm. first run of games. And I think as of now, at this point, I'd say a combo of Star Sled and Crankin's Time Travel Adventure may have been the best pairing in showcasing yeah. the crank, like the best twofer they could have gone for. Yeah. You know, because that would show off what the console does in terms of input. It would showcase the screen because they're both really lovely looking games. And also it showcases that this is a device that can offer a traditional sort of arcade experience like this, as well as an untraditional sort of concept like cranking. It's a cool device. It's a really cool game. I like it a lot. Great game. Great game. For me, I've said before, I don't like score chasers because I'm not interested in score chasing. So basically what I'm doing is playing a game that only has one level. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, for me, infinitely more enjoyable than some of those arcade style score chaser games on the play date like hyper meteor or even like flipper lifter which is really really good but also once you know a lot of the stages that was it yeah that's it it. that was it and this is just yeah i love it i really really love it what about saturday edition does this measure up to star sled does it measure up to anything how does it measure up chris i'll tell you i'll tell i've got my tape measure right here oh yeah i've got one of those big uh penises oh retractable ones that's gonna fly back yeah and snap me in the fingers this is uh, saturday edition that is not my penis or a tape measure it's a point and click game it's a classic lucas art style adventure game essentially where you're talking to people you're moving between a selection of scenes you're attempting to solve puzzles and progress the story by interacting with objects and teasing clues from dialogue and collecting items that will hopefully be of use somewhere down the line. It's really good. Again, (laughs) Saturday edition is a slow game, but it's slow by design. Mm. You're controlling a character named John Cornfield. He's a security technician. So think like digital locks, CCTV installations, that kind of thing. And you start the game with the context that John had made headlines 10 years before the story takes place with his vivid accounts of alien abduction. And the story then picks up with a new string of current disappearances that are potentially being linked to new sightings of mysterious lights in the night sky. After a little opening playable dream sequence where John is attempting to negotiate his way through the gates of heaven despite not being on the list, you're plonked into the game world proper and then things start to unfurl. You know, you've got a classic adventure game opening that there are police outside your apartment door, reasons are unclear, but in kind of almost like respect of the the lineage of this genre, your first job is then to get out of the apartment without using the front door. And that kind of lateral thinking really sets the scene for how the majority of puzzles and interactions will play out because this is very clearly a point-and-click game that likes and knows point-and-click games. You control John directly with the D-pad, the B button opens your inventory, the A button interacts with objects in the world, and, I don't know if you found this, the crank, basically unused in all gameplay, 
allows John to just roll his shoulders if he stood idling. <laughs> I did not. I did not discover and that. It's a neat little touch which highlights the next point I want to make about the experience. The art, the animation, the sound design, and the writing are all outstanding. It looks and sounds so good. Yeah. This is perhaps, I don't know if you got this reference because you haven't played it as much as me. It's the most Kentucky Route Zero adventure game I've played yeah. since Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, I had that written down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these games are nothing alike really in terms of play, with Kentucky being a bit more linear and experiential rather than being puzzle-led. But they are absolutely coming from a similar place of incredibly meticulous design. Playing Kentucky Route Zero, there is no waste. And even when there's a dead end or a conversation that peters out into nothing, it's so clearly by design that it would be insulting to suggest that it in itself hadn't been drafted and redrafted and playtested and retested. Someone has sat and gone, I'm in a corner. What does this corner feel like? This corner, does it look the right way? Does it feel the right way to be there? Like it's, what a game. But anyway, that's not the game we're talking about now. (laughs) In Saturday edition, everything is so carefully considered that it's almost more incredible than Kentucky Route Zero to think that this game has primarily been produced by pretty much a single person. Yeah. My favourite detail is that all of the interactions are shown in small box-out frames. So maybe that's a character's lips moving as they talk. Maybe that's the police officer at your door peering into the fisheye peephole. Maybe that's John's hand gripping a car door handle or pushing the numbers of a keypad. The fidelity here on a one-bit display in a box probably 25 pixels high and wide is astonishing. I cannot believe how clearly these things are rendered. All of these interactions could just be done with a text prompt and the outcome of playing the game would be the same, but the feeling wouldn't be. You know, a message that says this door is locked just doesn't communicate anywhere near the same level of subtle frustration that comes with a gorgeous animation of a hand gripping the door handle and failing to turn the knob just that little bit. The care and detail is just everywhere in this game. There were frequently moments in Kentucky Route Zero where I would read a line of dialogue and I'd have to just like take a little moment to just sit (laughs) with what I'd read before I could move on. Or a scene that was set up in such a way visually that I had to take a second to absorb the majesty of what I was looking at before I pushed forwards. And although there's less dynamism in Saturday Edition because we're working with infinitely less capable hardware and every scene is being rendered as a mostly 2D plane that you're exploring in like a linear left to right, there are still frequently bits of pixel art, texturing, design, animation, or subtle sound cues, or bits of internal dialogue from John that have made me go, whoa, this is this tiny thing I'm holding in my hands. I can't believe this exists in here. Early on, you visit a mall, and you're given a, a spiel about the healing power of crystals and rocks from a salesperson. And the way her face articulates her points in the box out, the way the dialogue is punctuated by a little audio thrum for each delivered line, And then the way that John is almost arguing with himself in italics throughout the exchange, it's really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. I would highly recommend everyone try to play this if you have a play day Mm. in a nice, well-lit nook and get your headphones in because the the sound score and the audio design is is quiet and brooding with, you know, Foley often cutting through rooms of silence in a way that makes it easy to miss if you're just relying on the machine's tiny little speaker. I've had nowhere near enough time to really absorb this game after a busy few days, but it's one I'm eager to find a few evenings to do properly. Mm. You know, I played a little the other day with the light of a red lava lamp illuminating half the screen before I went to oh, bed. And stop it. It just gave off such a particular oh, feeling. David Lynch, go <laughs> home. <laughs> like, 
Kentucky Route Zero is a game all about liminality. And for some reason, just the idea of Saturday Edition existing on this odd handheld, external to any other platform, demanding this sort of close focus and something like a fucking Game Boy Advance worm light to actually see what's going on. It puts it in a really similar position, in my mind at least. Then you've got like John's flowing coat seems to suggest there's also some neo-detective noir influence going on here and there. And equally, maybe the alien contact angle could expand into like a full curtain twitching Cold War style allegory or an odd solar punk style conspiracy. Like, I don't even know at this stage. It could go anywhere. Basically, there's just a tremendous amount going on here. It's a layered onion of a game. And if you have access to a little play date, it is extremely worth your time. Really, really worth your time. Even if you're just playing it for 10 minutes to look at how nice it appears on screen, it's quite a time. (laughs) I wrote three main things. Outstanding pixel art, incredibly immersive sound design, extraordinarily well-written dialogue. Yeah, there you go. That's it. You know, I mean, you're absolutely right about the little visual details. It's ridiculous how much they can convey with so little. Like the consideration that has literally gone into the placement of every single pixel. Yeah. Every single pixel has a job to do. One pixel out of place and all of a sudden it's just, "Mm, okay, that wasn't quite right. And I genuinely think it's some of the best sound design I've ever heard in a game. Like, (laughs) I I cannot get, I can't get, and I can't, I can't quite figure out why all of these extraordinarily ordinary sounds are so compelling. They're sounds that I hear every day, but it's the mixing of it. It's the layering of it. It's the combination of that with the extraordinary mood established by the writing. I mean, you couldn't get a more lo-fi way of interacting with a story, you know, yet I felt as immersed in it as I have done with anything else. Like everything else dropped away. I was just in this world and just absolutely being compelled by every single detail in it like it's another example of how important it is to get the writing right in a game especially when you're relying on so few high-tech elements on the play date lost your marbles (laughs) like a game like lost your marbles which really relies on good writing just fail i've seen you know other games where the writing is fine it functions but then you get games like this you get games like bloom where there's no excuse for if you're making a game that relies on text and and it's such an important element why you don't get it this right you have to you have to get it right yeah you have to get it right and when it does like you said, those those layering moments of dialogue when you're hearing his thoughts coupled with the conversations. I think it's a masterpiece. I'm almost at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, I won't say anything. Yeah, don't spoil it because I've, I've got a way to go. It's easily jostling for number one. Oh, on wow. Playdate for me. It's top three right now with Bloom and Zipper for me. Yeah, I can't believe Zipper is another example of a level of showboating almost. Mm. Because no one in picking up the play date for the first time, I think expects this kind of experience. Like there's almost too much. If you were to just describe this, if no one had ever held a play date before, if you'd just seen a screen that said it's black and white, it's one bit, it's got two buttons and a crank, you'd be like, that's not a game for this console. The same with Zipper. To be honest, because of the, the fidelity of the animation, same with cranking. Mm. Like all of these things, you'd just be like, that's not going to work. It's not going to work on this machine. And yet these developers and incredibly small teams, a lot of these times, like one person and a sound artist, or in the case of Zipper, one person, one. <laughs> You're just like, stop it. <laughs> stop showing off. Stop showing off. But please don't. 
Yeah, but please make more of this. Please don't stop. Make more. Feed me. Yeah. I really wonder, we've said before, I don't know what season two, if it's ever even a thing, Mm. will look like. But I think a lot of these developers have been working on some of these games for a long time. Mm. You know, you couldn't crack out Saturday edition in a couple weekends. You know, this is something that has been in the oven for a long time because just the animation on John like dropping down a ladder outside of his apartment and watching his coat like furl alongside him with the sound with you know the whole thing Mm. that's like a split second on screen and it still makes you go oh boy just take a second for that yeah (laughs) like it's noises I'm just making sounds now it's really good (laughs) best week of the play days I think so I think so Next Playdate update, though, is going to be focusing on two other games, one of which is Spellcorked, which, from the looks of it, is the very first game from a team of developers who made it, and also Inventory Hero, which is another Panic-developed game, and I'm really looking forward to trying both of these. I do know a little bit about Inventory Hero, and it sounds really innovative, so that should be another good week, hopefully, hopefully. So stay tuned for that in two weeks' time. Next week, we will be filling you in with our recent gaming activity. Will Chris have branched out to playing anything other than uh, little little bippity-boshy games? Uh, <laughs> not. Probably not. Well, I have branched out from a tree. <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll find out. I can't wait to play games for another week, and I can't wait for you to play games for another week, and I can't wait to talk to you about games in another bloody week. Should we do it then? Should we should we Let's shake hands it. on it through so, the internet? Yeah, yeah. Let's meet back here. If you want to continue loving us, you can do that. You can go to our website, o3c.games, read our articles, uh, look at our videos, uh, share them on social media, tag us on social media, at o3cgames on everything. We'd love for you to chat to us. Or you can check out our support page on that website. Consider pledging a few pounds to us via Patreon or chucking us a few quid uh, via PayPal to say, thanks very much, keep going, we love you, and we would love that. We would. You can talk to us individually if you like, if you want to single us out on some opinions. I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. Chaz underscore Hodges is me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put all of that in.